0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to The Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Today's episode is a very special one. I've been thinking a lot about the lack of human-readable domains or the human-readable addresses when buying, selling, or simply trying to access various wallets and addresses on-chain. The long string of letters and numbers is very difficult to use and probably is a very large obstacle for mainstream adoption in order to better understand this problem and also some of the potential solutions i've brought on two separate guests for today's podcast the first is brentley milligan from ens ens is something that we will talk about in the first half of the podcast and then i've brought on the founder and ceo of unstoppable domains matt gold And that we will talk about in the second half of the podcast. I hope you enjoy this deep dive on the problem and two of the potential solutions that everyone is focused on. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high-yield interest account, a US dollar loan product against your crypto collateral, and a no-fee cryptocurrency trading platform. BlockFi also just released a brand new product, a Bitcoin Rewards credit card. It's a normal credit card that when you swipe it, you earn back Bitcoin rather than cash back or airline miles. Normal credit card, Bitcoin rewards, no cash back, no airline miles. It's awesome. I've been using it now for a couple of months and I got to say that not only am I earning Bitcoin back, but also there's a great feeling when you're swiping your card knowing that it's going to end up being much less expensive than it is today. Go check it out at BlockFi.com slash POMP. Again, BlockFi.com slash POMP to start with that Bitcoin rewards credit card today. BlockFi.com slash POMP. Next up is Choice. It's time to stop paying capital gains taxes on your Bitcoin and Choice is here to help. They are rebuilding the way Bitcoiners approach retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin and 19 other digital assets inside your IRA. Right now, every time you make a trade, you have to pay capital gains taxes that can be as high as 37%. Choice enables you to trade real Bitcoin, other crypto, and stocks without having to pay a dime in capital gains. The best part, they just released an iOS app so you can open an account in less than 10 minutes and take control of your future from the palm of your hand. Join me and the 20,000 other Bitcoiners who have started their tax-efficient stack and open your Choice account today. Search Stack Sats in the App Store or visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. Again, choiceapp.io slash pomp. And one more thing, if you want to hold your own keys, Choice lets you do that too. So start stacking tax-efficient sats today and visit choiceapp.io slash pomp. Last but not least are my friends over at Circle. If you manage corporate or institutional funds, you're probably looking for ways to access opportunities in crypto. You see the growth and momentum and want exposure. But a lot of institutions don't know how or aren't comfortable with the risks of Bitcoin or DeFi. Now there's a new investment that's built specifically to help institutions get into digital assets. It is called Circle Yield. It's a blockchain-based investment built with USDC, the leading dollar digital currency. Circle Yield is over collateralized and fully secured with Bitcoin collateral to protect your funds. This also makes it a great fit for crypto institutions who want to diversify their treasuries and reduce risks while staying on-chain. You get your choice of terms from one month to 12 months and a fixed rate that's higher than what you'll get at a bank or in many fixed income markets. Visit circle.com slash pomp to book a meeting with one of their experts. Again, circle.com slash pomp. To book a meeting with one of the experts at Circle who will help you figure out how to manage your corporate or institutional funds or your treasury to earn higher yield. All right, let's get into this episode with Lynn. hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. So I think we've got Brantley with us now. Brantley, are you there? Hey. How are you, man? good, and uh, I'm (laughs) Brantley.eth. All right, let's get started first. Uh, There's people who are very excited that we're doing this. Help me understand your thought process, the framework you use to evaluate the problem right? In terms of kind of the legacy, long string of letters and numbers. How do you think about why that's a problem? Uh, could we actually scale and reach billions of users with it uh, if we didn't have other solutions? Like just talk to me about the problem to start with.
1: Yeah. I mean, so obviously not. I mean, so, you know, these will be like the early years when we were copying and pasting, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum addresses. Um, but that, that's not the future. And I don't think really anybody thinks that. Um, yeah, so, so I, our principles for how to solve this problem are a couple. So one, um, we think that this is the type of, so like naming and identity, this is the type of thing that's like a public utility. Like nobody should own um, the, the naming system of the internet. So this is true of DNS actually. So like DNS itself, um, the, the core part of it is a you know, nonprofit open uh, protocol of the internet. Uh, there are companies that then have the consumer facing side Um, And so they have this interesting hybrid model, Um, but DNS itself, uh, you know, it's just like a neutral protocol of the internet. So we think that still holds true here. So we think things should be, you know, open public neutral. Um, And that has really informed how we've gone about doing ENS. I can talk more about that in a second. Uh, Another key principle is that the internet already has a naming system. And uh, so with DNS, you know, there wasn't really a widely used thing when it was started, so it, was, it was new, but now we do. And so uh, we think um, it's best for users and best for the success of the technology if we try to remain as compatible um, with the existing namespace uh, as, for as long as possible. Uh, so like ENS, we're not trying to like replace DNS anytime, you know, DNS for what it does, it does it really well. Okay, right? uh, but we, we want to complement uh, and expand it of a new capabilities and to kind of bring the internet to this new decentralized blockchain future, but uh, with as few collisions and problems as possible.
0: Got it. And so when you start to think about what has been built today, let's start with just what is the actual product and what does it support? Uh, what assets does it uh, allow for somebody to receive or send? And then what are the use cases of which people are using that product today?
1: Yeah. So ENS is not a product, it's a protocol. Uh, there is no for-profit company behind it. Uh, it's self-running on the Ethereum uh, blockchain. You can interact with it directly. You don't have to interact with any company to interact with it. Uh, you just submit transactions to it and, it and it works automatically. That's for like registering as well. Um, and even the, even the revenue that comes from it uh, goes back to the protocol. So, you know, we launched a DAO earlier this month. We can talk about that. It just goes back to the community, back to the protocol. Um, so ENS has two types of names on it. So it has .eth names, which are native to ENS. Uh, They only exist on ENS. They don't exist on traditional DNS. Although um, ENS is in a a special position where uh, there's no chance of name collisions uh, with DNS. It's in a reserved space. I could talk more into the details of that, but um, because that's very important to us. And .eth names give you the full benefits of being blockchain native. So uh, full self custody, like the user, uh, you, you register it directly yourself. There's no trust third party involved in the registration process. Uh, you own it directly yourself. Nobody can take your name away from you, not even the DAO, or, you know, nobody can do that. Um, uh, it's censorship resistant as a result. Uh, also transferability, their NFTs, you can, they can be held by a DAO. They can be held by a multi-sig. They can be used as collateral, you know, in DeFi or something like this. I actually did the world's first uh, NFT loan uh, backed by an ENS name with uh, Alex Massmedge uh, back in the day. Hey, Alex. Um, uh, so that's a critical thing. And then we also have DNS namespace uh, integration. So what this means is that if you own a DNS domain name, you can import that into ENS uh, with the same ending. Uh, so for example, uh, I have bcmilligan.com on DNS, traditional DNS. I, I've imported it. So I have bcmilligan.com on ENS. .com, not .eth. That'd be a separate name. And so this really is part of our vision of extending and complementing uh, the DNS namespace. Uh, so you can you can do most of the same stuff with D, the, the DNS names imported. There's a few restrictions since uh, ultimately uh, the source of truth is, is on this other system. But you can do most of the same things.
0: Okay. So that's the namespace. So, so, so hold, on, hold on, I want to make sure that we're we're going slow here to make sure everyone's following along. You guys have built first of all, protocol is a product, right? Uh, Absolutely. So you've got a product, which is this protocol, ENS. The idea is that you create ENS, which is compatible with DNS, the legacy system. But also what you're essentially doing is you're allowing people to replace that long string of letters and numbers with uh, ENS namespace. .eth is the most popular one, but you could have other ones. Uh, And you can replace just your wallet address. So, hey, if you want to send me something, send it to this uh, namespace. But you can also uh, use it as collateral, as you talked about with alone, uh, you own it right as a NFT. Is that correct? Or is it some other technical architecture behind the dot, uh, or the namespace?
1: Uh, so Dotty themes are just ERC 721 compatible NFTs.
0: Okay. So when you think about those assets, the first question that I have is what assets does it support? Cause I think this is a big misconception that a lot of people don't understand can I just send ETH? Can I send Bitcoin? Can I send other assets? Can I send an NFT? H- how does it work from a usability standpoint?
1: Yeah. So when it comes to the uh, simplified payments uh, use case of ENS, and I say there's three major use cases. This is one of them. Uh, it can support any, or any arbitrary asset. Uh, so this, this does confuse a lot of people. Uh, they think you can only send Ethereum, uh, Ether or Ethereum-based assets. Uh, no, you can send, uh, receive Bitcoin to a name. You no, know, Solana, Solana NFT. Uh, Dogecoin. Um, So what this means is actually like you can send Dogecoin to bcmilligan.com and it's using ENS on Ethereum in the
0: background. Okay, hold on. Uh, Time out for a second because this this is where I think people get lost. So bcmilligan.com is a URL that you own via the DNS system. You can, I'll use the word port, that may be the inaccurate word, but you can port it over to this new system and you can put that, if I have a wallet, I can put bcmilligan.com into my wallet and send any asset that that wallet supports and it will end up in your wallet. How does that Correct. technically occur in the back end? Because most people would think of a .com as the DNS system. They think they're going to a URL, but you're actually using it in this new system as a wallet ID essentially.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's, it's actually much simpler than people think. So a lot of people think that like if I send, let's say, ether to Brantley.eth, that like I'm sending it to the name and that like ENS receives it and forwards it on to you or something. It's, it's actually much simpler than this. So ENS is ultimately just names and like data attached to those names. So I can store any arbitrary data. I could store a Bitcoin address, an Ethereum address, a salon address. I can store my favorite type of dog. I can store my phone number, anything you want. And then when I type in that name, let's say in a wallet, let's say trust wallet, like I'm sending Doge, I say, send this to bcmilligan.com. What they do is it looks at bcmilligan.com on ENS, on Ethereum. Grab, on you know, Ethereum, since based on context, it knows I'm sending Dogecoin. So it grabs uh, the Dogecoin address in my records. It brings that back to the wallet. And then the wallet just sends it like a normal Dogecoin transaction on the Dogecoin network. But that just happens all in the background uh, from the user's perspective, like you're sending Doge to bcmilligan.com, uh, but that's what's happening in the background.
0: Okay. Now I asked a ton of people for pros and cons of this whole system. The pros seem to be around one, not having to use a long string of letters and numbers. That's, I think most people are like, yeah, whatever the system ends up being the successful one, like that's like a no brainer. We have to do that in order to scale. The second one was, uh, what I'll call this like interoperability, right? So having a namespace that can support all kinds of different assets, regardless of where they come from. The third thing is um, what I'll, I'll label as identity. So we literally started, I said your government name, and then you hit me with, no, here's my namespace as my name. Talk yeah, that's my lo- fiat name. Yeah, your fiat name. My okay. Name, <laughs> All right. Growing up, we called it a government name. You called it a fiat name. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, to I- explain this idea of identity, right? Again, forget for a second what the actual namespace is, whether it's a .eth, a .com, a .whatever, just... How do you think about the importance of that as we enter into this new digital financial system?
1: Yeah, I think it's actually the most important uh, use case of okay. ens. It's certainly the most widely used one. Um, so basically, yeah, you you have let's say an Ethereum account because ens is, is Ethereum based, and you log into let's say Adapt um, with your with your Ethereum account. You know, there's two ways to do this actually. There's connect wallet. There's also then you, there's like you sign a message, um, and the, so when you do that, you're giving the DAP your public address, okay? This is how you, you're identified with. You can then do something called a reverse lookup, in which case basically the, the, the DAP will get what's called your primary ENS name. So you, you designate, let's say you have 20 ENS names or something like this, you designate one as your primary ENS name. And then when you log into a DAP, they can grab that one because it's associated with your Ethereum accounts and they display that as your username and then once they have the, their your username, they can also then grab information from your records. So let's say uh, we have an avatar record, uh, which you, you can just have like a normal file as your avatar. You can also designate an NFT that you verifiably own as your avatar, and that could automatically uh, show up. So this this works like on Uniswap, for example. I, I connect, this is ETH, and it has like my punk or something like that, okay, right?
0: Okay, so uh, on this point real quick, is this reliant on... Coinbase or uh, an exchange or a, a decentralized application them adding support for this type of functionality like do they have to basically plug in and use the standards that you guys have created in order to support this like via an API or how does that work and is it available to anything that is built uh in a decentralized manner or is it specifically they make the decision to support these types of namespaces
1: yeah so uh it's entirely on chain the information is entirely on chain now we provide. We have created a metadata service to that services can use to get the avatar if they want, um, but they don't have to. I mean, that's just we built one for ourselves for our own app. Uh, then other people can also use it. Uh, but the information is entirely on chain. It's entirely decentralized. I mean, this is really critical to the whole vision of ENS. That like, if the the primary team developing if we all died, nothing stops. Nothing, nothing is hurt. ENS continues to go on. Um, I hope people would mourn my death, but. Um, ENS would continue to go on, no problem, because literally we're running no infrastructure. Okay. This really confuses a lot of people. So, um, and, and that's a key thing on this identity thing I want to say is that, okay, this has been happening in Web3 for a while of people, you sign in with your private key, uh, use your ENS name and things like this for your identity, uh, but it all been just like organically done with no standards. And some people were doing good practices and some people are doing bad practices, right? Um, So, the Ethereum Foundation and ENS, we teamed up earlier this year, and we had an RFP request for proposals, basically saying, hey, we want to find somebody who can like standardize what's currently being done just with best practices. We selected this company called uh, Spruce ID, in the last few months, they've been leading this open community um, uh, process uh, to basically write an EIP. That's the Ethereum uh, standards process, uh, Ethereum improvement proposal, it's like BIPs, right? And uh, that's almost done, basically to standardize this and we call it signing with Ethereum. So it's best practices. Here's exactly the message you should have people sign. They have like a JavaScript library. They have like an OAuth implementation you know, you can use if you want. Um, and so you sign with your private key. It uses your ENS, name as your username, it uses your avatar from the records, it uses any other profile data. And I think the cool thing about this is that this works not just for crypto services. We've designed it so that non-crypto services can easily add this as an authentication option. So like you're signing into some other random non-crypto service. They have like sign in with email, uh, sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook. Well, we've made this so they can just drop into those options, sign with Ethereum as one of those options.
0: Okay. Now there was basically three main uh, issues when I ask people. So they told me the pros, then the cons or the questions, probably actually more people had questions. Uh, I'm going to go down and let's start with the ones that are the least specific to you guys. And then we'll get to the ones that are most specific. The first is gas fees, right? Uh, we have uh, my brothers here. Uh, we have a screenshot that somebody sent us where they tried to do $300 on the Ethereum network. Uh, I think it was last night or this morning. And it was like $17,000 gas fee. Now that is an outlier. That is not the normal thing, right? But there are times normal. where it spikes and it happens happens across all of these different networks. It's happened on Bitcoin in the past, et cetera. But how do you think about the gas fees today for something like this? And, and is that uh, overcomable uh, in kind of the short term?
1: Yeah, well, it's not sustainable. I mean, obviously. I mean, it sucks for me too. <laughs> I mean, it's not good. Um, yeah, so a couple of things to, to make clear. Sign with Ethereum has no gas fees because that's just off-chain okay. signing, right? So some people are like, oh, it's like $200 to sign in something. This is not true.
0: Um, So the sign-in functionality doesn't have a gas. Really, the only gas fee that would be involved in this is the purchase of uh, the namespace?
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah. So the sign-in thing, uh, there's no gas fee. Also, like when you send, let's say I'm sending Bitcoin to bcmilligan.com, there's no added gas fee on the ENS side because it's just a lookup, right? I mean, there's a transaction on the Bitcoin side, but that has nothing to do with ENS, right? Uh, So that's the key thing. But yeah, so ENS as a system is a full stack naming system that entirely runs on Ethereum layer one, which is obviously extremely expensive right now. Um, so yeah, we, we want to move this to layer twos and, and do this. Uh, it's a tricky thing to do though, because ENS is entirely decentralized, right? We were a centralized system. We could just like, you know, do this, very, you know, just send our registration somewhere else, but ENS is entirely decentralized. Uh, we have a plan in place that's going to happen in stages. Uh, the first stage is um, was actually Vitalik, about a year ago, proposed an idea. for uh, for this and we kind of refined it with some community calls. Um, We're creating a new standard for inventing a new standard for layer one to layer two communication without any additional trust assumptions. And I don't want to get into the technical stuff, but basically users will be able to put records and subdomains on an external location of their choice. Any arbitrary one, like we don't want to have to choose, like let the user use Arbitrum. And it could even be like Solana. It could even, you know, it could be, you could store on Bitcoin, I guess, technically. Um, you could store on a server, you know, any external location other than the theme layer one that you want, you choose it, and it just fits into the ENS system. Um, this is really exciting because it will make updating records cheaper, but also, it's really been our vision that probably most names long-term would be subdomains. Like, you know, the average user is probably not going to be, you know, it's like they're going to get a, a free subdomain when they create a wallet, you know, like a Gmail account or something like this. and. Um, with this system, somebody could create like unlimited subdomains for free off-chain. So we think we could actually onboard huge numbers of users, you know, at zero okay, all cost. Right, all
0: right. Just because we we only have so much time, I want to keep going. Go ahead. Uh, and and um, again, I, unverified information, but somebody in the chat just said they went to just go register an ENS, $5, I think is the cost of it. Uh, and they the said that the food. gas fee showed $138. $138 is much better than 17000 but... 138. It's absurd. Yeah. 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 So, okay. so we bad. got that second big, uh, kind of, uh, topic that people, uh, had questions or concerns about was privacy. How do you think about privacy? Uh, either this does increase privacy or it decreases privacy. How do you just, uh, think about mitigating any sort of, uh, privacy concerns?
1: Yeah. I mean, like Bitcoin and other blockchains, it's kind of both at the same time. It depends on how you use it. Okay. Um, the, what, we, what I recommend is that every person has at least two Ethereum accounts, right? They should have their public one, they're okay having public, that's what they use for their public things. And then have a private one where they keep like their main stash. This is good for privacy, also for security. That if your public one gets hacked, you don't lose everything. Uh, that's really the best solution right now. Uh, in the future, I'd say there's there's good prospects that using things like zero knowledge proofs and things like this. We can add other layers of privacy, um, but that's what I recommend right now.
0: Okay. Then the last one, and this one actually surprised me, uh, is .eth and Ethiopia, which I literally thought was a joke the first time uh, I saw this, explain. So my understanding, again, this is very uh, rudimentary, is that the DNS registration for .eth, like the .com, .org, .whatever, is reserved for the country of Ethiopia. One, is that true? And then two, how do you think about, is that a problem? Is it not a problem? Is there, uh, could you buy it? Like what happens there in terms of this like backwards uh, um, compatibility that, that you've talked about? Yeah,
1: so it is true, uh, but it's not a problem. So um, if you want to know, here's exactly what happened. Okay. So about two 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 to two and a half decades ago, um, ICANN, which is the nonprofit which yep. just helps coordinate the DNS name, the TLD namespace, they basically said, okay, let's give every country a two letter country code, but let's also so that's like .fr .us .uk things like that, right? So each country, the government actually controls. A top-level domain. Um, then they also said, "Well, let's just reserve three-letter country codes. We don't need to give this to the countries because they already have one. They like they don't need a second one. But this also just means that nobody else can ever register this. So like nobody should have usa except for the U.S. government because that'd be kind of dumb in their opinion. Um, but the U.S. also doesn't need it because they also have, they also have us. So basically, all these three-letter country codes are reserved. So reserved means that they're never going to be created. They're not, but they're not. They have no plans to give it to the governments." So, like, Ethiopia has .et, but .eth is reserved as a three-letter country code for them. Um, but there, there's, no, there's no chance. So, so like, another uh, round of uh, – um, they're opening another round for people to register new top-level domains here in the next year or two. Nobody can register .eth. There's no chance of, of, of a name collision there. That isn't true for all the other blockchain uh, naming systems out there and their TLDs. So, um, all those, they're not reserved. Other people could register them. I think it's likely that other people will. Uh, And note that because of ENS's full DNS namespace integration, if somebody else registers those names on DNS, those different owners will own those names on ENS. And ENS is the most integrated blockchain naming service by a long shot. I mean, ENS has more integration, several times more integrations than all other ones combined. I mean, it's like hundreds more. Um, So I think there's gonna be a really serious problem with name collisions. Uh, with, with ETH, there's no, there's no chance of that uh, in the even lo- medium to long term. I will also say, though, just to completely tie up this like, possibly hanging problem, I actually do have contacts with the Ethiopian government, which is funny to me. And we are in talks to like, basically just like, acquire the long term rights to this. Um, but there's no rush because like, there's no imminent danger. Okay.
0: Of so all that makes sense couple more things for you. One on the size. And again, this is me doing uh, rudimentary research. So bear with me if I've got numbers wrong here. ENS has got about half a million domains that you've sold. Uh, right. you've got, well, that's about-
1: currently existing. So that name, that number can go up and down because names can expire. Okay. And that's critical for the long-term names uh, health of the namespace.
0: Okay. So similar, if somebody has a .com and then they don't have it anymore, somebody else could come and get it.
1: Because you want unused names to be able to, there needs to be a mechanism to get unused names to go back into circulation. Correct.
0: Reason. Okay. Uh, and so my understanding is that there are other platforms that have more domains that have been sold. But in terms of the number of unique customers, you guys have more than that? Is that a fair understanding of kind of how to think about, uh, customers domains. And some of this is like, there's a recycling component versus not, or, or how do you think about like size uh, across the various teams trying to build uh, solutions to this?
1: Yeah. So like handshake, I think is like over 2 million names or something, you know, and I would say names, number of names we consider to be one of the least important uh, things to optimize for. In fact, I would say the way we've designed our system, we've said this for years publicly, we are not optimizing for number of names. We're also not optimizing for revenue. We're optimizing for use. So even like the way we've done our pricing, we've set it up in a way to try to disincentivize people that say buying up huge numbers of names like a squatters and trying to incentivize average users using the name. Um, yeah, in terms of number of users, a problem with other systems is that they're like private. And so it's not on chain. You don't actually know how many people have things or how many names, so you can just trust what they say. Um, ENS on the other hand is entirely on chain, 100%. So all of our data is entirely public. I'd say it's likely that ENS has the most users, probably by a large margin. I don't know that for certain because there's other data is not actually on chain and public. Um, what we do have, though, and something that we have focused a lot on, I do consider important, is integrations. So where can you, what can you actually do with this? Where can you use it? Uh, we've worked very hard on that. And ENS, like I said, it has you know, several times more integrations than all other naming systems combined. I mean, it's like way ahead on this. I also note too, we've never paid for a single integration. This is entirely organic. In fact, most of the integrations these days, people just do it because we're like the open public standard everybody uses. And I just like, sometimes I'm like using a DAP. am like, oh, this DAP has ENS. I didn't know that. Add it to the website or something like that. Um, if you do integrate ENS developers out there, let me know so we can, you know, add it to our website, track it, you know, help promote it as well. We'd love to do that.
0: All right. Last question. And this is probably the one that you and I are going to disagree on the most, but I'm going to let you say your piece is you guys just airdropped like $2 billion, I think at the time, to people who held uh, ENS namespaces. I've got a whole thought process in terms of airdrops and yield farming, et cetera. What you're essentially doing is if you were a centralized corporation, that was a for-profit, right? Which which I understand you guys are taking a, a different approach. But if you were, that would basically be, in my opinion, like customer acquisition cost, right? You'd be spending marketing dollars to go and get it. When you do an airdrop like this, now people have a financial interest in seeing this be successful. And so some people just run and they go sell, right? Because they're just like, hey, I got free money or whatever. Some people hold it and they want the value to go up and other people may not even know that they got it airdropped, right? So there's a whole bunch of different reactions. How do you think about the creation of a DAO, governance, airdrop? Like walk me through your guys' thought process around this.
1: Yeah, so key principle here, and I tweeted this out. You were not airdropped free money. You were airdropped. Everybody listening, say it with me. Do you know what, Pomp? What were your airdrops?
0: I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. You're Responsibility.
1: Say that's what your airdrops And we really do take this seriously. I mean, yes, some people, it has a market value. People can sell. There's no shaming of that. Uh, but I think people should take this seriously. And uh, I think it's gone very well. And it lets it be a community owned protocol. I mean, but I think it, that's, but that's what that's I want to understand
0: role. is w- w- why did you guys do it? Like, how do you, like, when you think about, like, hey, here's what we did, what, what's the thought process behind doing this versus not having done it?
1: Oh, uh, simple. Okay. So, uh, the core parts of ENS are self-running and they have no human input at all, so there's no need for governance. But there are a couple aspects of the ENS protocol that require human discretion. We haven't been able to automate away yet. And we'd like to automate just everything if we could, eventually maybe we will, but in the meantime, there are a few things. So things like .eth pricing. We're not confident we can set that and it's going to make sense for 100 years, right? Or like what to do with the revenue. I don't know. Who should have a right to have to say over what happens there? So. Um, This is a, you know, decentralized democratic way of saying the community can set those parameters that we don't think we should have, you know, a central group or small number of people setting it. That's why we did it. I would say if eventually we could automate all that away, that would be the best situation. But for now, this is the best way of handling those things.
0: All right. What questions you guys got? Hey, so uh, thanks for doing this, by the way. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, So my question was- Did any of you get the airdrop? No, no.
1: Hold on! What Hold on! So hold, on hold
0: on! Go, and then you can ask us questions at the end, Bradley. But we just got to hurry before uh, we run out of time. <laughs> All good. good. Uh, so, my question is just around domain registered. You guys say on your website you have 1.7. I know people are saying 1.5 earlier, but regardless of however many millions it is, uh, how big can this get? Do you think everyone's eventually going to have them? What is your guys' like total addressable market look like?
1: Yeah. So we have about a half million on our website, um, and that's entirely on chains public information. I mean, our goal is that not only does every human on the planet have an ENS name, but that every like non-human thing is named with an ENS name. So, you can also name smart contracts with I mean, people already do this today. You could name devices, AIs, organizations. Uh, I mean, I think it's possible there's like a trillion names. I think the vast majority of those will be, you know, like off-chain subdomains. They're not going to be like paying, you know, protocols fee for, for it. But I think literally ENS could be the identity naming system for everything human and non-human.
0: Gotcha. John? Yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, Can you please just talk about the resale value of these? I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but can you just talk about like what is the, I guess, monetary value of certain domains and like the different styles of them?
1: Yeah. I mean, so uh, a principle we've always said is we're all about use. We don't care about speculation. We think if something just became a speculative haven, this would be a failure uh, situation for ENS. So every single time that there's a zero sum decision between like, are we going to help users? Are we going to help speculators? We always choose users every single time. And some speculators, it gets them pissed off at us, but we've been public about this. It's about use. Uh, That said, I would say like, if you look at the OpenSea secondary market trading, I mean, ENS represents over 99% of the domains uh, secondary market. I mean, it's basically the only player because I think it's, it's the one with the most use by a long shot.
0: What do you think? I've got one question then you can say whatever you want, uh, which I'm scared as hell to, to uh, allow you to do. But uh, <laughs> what do you think is the fairest critique of what you're doing? Like you've heard them all. I've seen you on Twitter, you know, fighting back and, and kind of fighting the good fight from your opinion. Right. But like, what do you think is the fairest critique of what you're doing?
1: Um I would say I think scaling is the biggest problem for ENS and for blockchains in general and I, I say this about Bitcoin, Ethereum, ENS, the entire space. If we can't really actually solve scaling in a decentralized way, it kind of like then this thing can't really take over the world. Um, and it's a hard problem to solve. I say I think we have a good path towards that, um, but it's hard to do and you know, can, DNS has, success, has successfully scaled to like billions of users and that's extremely impressive and props to all the OGs who scaled DNS. And uh, let's see if we can scale ENS in the blockchain world to that level.
0: All right. You got the last 30 seconds. What do you want to say?
1: Uh, well, I, I said this on Twitter. I got you emoji.eth if you want it. I can give it to you for free.
0: Pomp? Like, tor- oh, oh, like my Twitter, uh, my Twitter name. Yeah. What, 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 what would I do with it if you gave it to me?
1: I mean, you could use it to receive Ether, Bitcoin, Dogecoin. You could put it as your Twitter name. Although I did say, I think that would be the market top if Pomp. Put there the there is claims.
0: a, there, there is a, you couldn't drop me an airdrop of $2 billion uh, worth of ENS. I still wouldn't do that, but uh, no, you we'll, missed we'll, it. we'll talk. We'll talk. I missed it. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll talk about the name. Itself. Here's, here's what I will say. I, I will say this. Right. And I think that, uh, Uh, There are plenty of people. People are going to be mad that I'm even talking to you, right? Uh, Literally, which is an absurd uh, thing uh, all by itself. But here's what I will say is that you and I both agree that on the problem, which is that the long string of letters and numbers is absolutely insane. We have to solve that problem. The second thing that I think uh, we agree on is that you cannot have what I'll call siloed or vertical-specific namespaces. If URLs, if you could only go to a URL on a Chrome browser versus something else, that wouldn't make sense, right? So there has to be kind of an open system. There has to be some sort of interoperability. Now, the part where I probably tap myself out in terms of expertise and, uh, and frankly, having you spent way more time on this and literally do it for a living is... Uh, What is the right technical architecture? What are all of the technical challenges, scaling, all that stuff like, I think myself and literally millions of other people are going to rely on folks who are building this in the free market to kind of decide who's the winner. But I do uh, think that both you and I agree on the problem and the fact that like the structure has to be open and be interoperable with all these different assets, or there's just no way to do it. And people may not like that, but at the end of the day, what you need is you have to have uh, usage, right? Of various assets. And so even Bitcoin, if people are, you know, all about Bitcoin and they want to just send Bitcoin back and forth uh, for goods or services is using the long string of letters and numbers, like it sucks. (laughs) We got to fix it. So like,
1: yeah. if you want an open decentralized naming system, I mean, yes, is it. I mean, there you go. All
0: right. I appreciate it. Where do you want us to send, uh, send people to find you on the internet? If they got follow-up questions, they want to yell and scream at you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The, the ENS website, ENS.domains is a good summary of what ENS is. Uh, ENS domains is also on Twitter that I'm on Twitter. I'm
0: Awesome, man. Listen, there you go. thank thank you for taking the time to come on here. I appreciate yeah. it. I, I also, by the way, I appreciate the fact that when I started tweeting about this, you took the time to go ahead and explain kind of how everything works. And and uh, uh, at one point, I sent him uh, lightning addresses, which is a whole nother architecture that we don't have time to get into, uh, where you can basically use like an email address. And he went through and I sent him the developer docs. He read through it quickly. And was like, hey, here's how I think this works. So I appreciate you. Uh, yeah. And thanks for the time. invite. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks, course. All right, man. Thank you. Now we are going to bring on next Matt from Unstoppable Domains, which is another team working on solving this exact same problem. Matt, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you?
2: Uh, Doing great. Good morning to you. I guess good afternoon there.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You too. Um, All right. So we just had on uh, Brantley from ENS and I feel like we did a pretty good job covering what the problem is. Uh, I don't want to speak for you, but my guess is that you also agree having a long string of letters and numbers is a huge problem. And in order to get mass adoption in this industry, we're going to have to solve that problem. Is that a fair assumption for me to make?
2: Uh, Absolutely. No way we go global unless we fix this problem.
0: Okay. Now, my question is, uh, let's start with kind of how you and your team is looking at solving this problem. If you can kind of describe what the pro- like how the product itself works or how it's technically architected.
2: Yeah, so uh, we sell NFT domains, and these are uh, on chain using a suite of smart contracts. And uh, it allows you to map any type of information you would want from a name like mat.crypto to say, let's say a Bitcoin address, a Litecoin address an Ethereum address, what have you for sending cryptocurrency payments. That's the hair on fire use case that most people are using uh, this tech for right now. Um, But longer term, obviously we think you're gonna add a bunch more stuff to your domain names. People are already adding uh, profile pictures, Uh, linking their Twitter. They're verifying credentials about themselves. Uh, so there's there's a lot that this can do, but in the short run, it's mostly about making payments uh, you know 10 times easier for normal people.
0: Okay. And when you think about uh, this NFT, these are ERC-721, like traditional NFT structures?
2: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And just like regular NFTs, there's no renewal fees on our NFT domains. You own them in your wallet. They're self-custody assets. Uh, and we think that's the way they
0: should be. Okay. And, uh, similar to let's say, uh, ENS or other teams that are trying to solve this, you can basically have this support, all kinds of different things like you described. What do you feel like is the big differentiation between what you guys are doing versus some of the other teams? Is there a technical aspect? Is there a, uh, like an economic aspect? How how do you feel the difference, uh, or where do you kind of draw the line in the sand, uh, in terms of the different teams that are trying to solve this problem?
2: Yeah, so uh, there are actually a lot of teams that came up around 2017 to try to address this problem when okay. people first started, started thinking about uh, solving, sending crypto payments with blockchain naming services. And uh, so some of them have taken different paths. I think the biggest differentiators for us, for people who are in the market, we are technology agnostic. Uh, you know, we're not uh, tied to any given blockchain like, you know, Ethereum or anything else. We actually view ourselves as an application that exists to make it easier uh, for users, regardless of what crypto assets they want to use. Uh, We also don't have any renewal fees, so we really took the NFT approach that every other NFT on the planet has, uh, where you buy a domain once and you own it forever. Uh, And then we are laser focused on making sure this is accessible for everyone on the planet. So one of the things that we do is we actually cover the gas fees, so it's absolutely free to uh, mint and set up your uh, NFT domain. Uh, through Unstoppable Domains, this is a commitment that we want to hold for our users going forward um, because we think that you really need to understand the full cost of ownership for these things to make them usable for everybody. So, you know, when we say we think that there should be an NFT domain name in all 3 billion people on the planet's wallet, uh, that means that you know, they need to cost $5 or less uh, and, and you need to have gas fees be basically minimal or else uh, you're just not going to be able to get it in these countries where, you know, the average income for the month may be 250 bucks. If that's the cost of the gas fees for registering your domain name, then that's a no go.
0: So obviously the gas fees, and I don't know if you were listening earlier, we were talking about, somebody sent us a screenshot. They were trying to spend like, I don't know, it was 150, 250 bucks, whatever. And the gas fee was like $17,000. Obviously extreme outlier, right? But uh, while we were on the show, somebody went and looked and uh, to buy $5, it was like 138 bucks. So to your point, uh, not very sustainable. How do you look at uh, the interoperability? How important is this for you guys to operate in on one single chain versus, could you build this on Bitcoin? Could you build this on other chains? Like, how do you think about uh, kind of the technical architecture? And probably more importantly, does it matter to the end user? Do they actually care? Or do they just want zero fees or, or as low as fees as possible?
2: Yeah, so uh, we've actually already built on several different blockchain systems. So we've built on three already, and we've migrated twice. Uh, And the way that we make those decisions is what is cheapest for users while still maintaining that level of uh, decentralization and security at the main chain. Um, And then we also let users choose which one they want to be on. So, uh, and we're investing a lot on building different bridges between the different blockchains. And so, uh, I think that ultimately users should have a choice on where they want to register and store their assets. Uh, and we are going to try our best to vet uh, the technologies that allow that to happen at the lowest cost. So we recently just um, you know, migrated over to Polygon for our new domain name system, our most recent one. Uh, and that way we could cover the fees and make them zero. So, yeah, from us, I agree with you. Like, I don't think uh, users care about uh, the technology behind uh, at the very base level what they're using as long as it meets a a level of decentralization and security and then beyond that uh, we're really you know we're an app that sells a product and that product is making it easier for you to uh, send cryptocurrency or or do lookups about somebody Uh, and so the cheaper we can make that i think the better
0: Got it. And so when you think about uh, the traction that you guys have had so far, walk me through how you think about uh, the various metrics that you can share publicly.
2: Yeah. So I think as of yesterday, we have 1.8 million domains registered. Uh, this is, you know, three or four X, maybe five X, uh, any of the other uh, people in our space. Uh, we've also have four of the top five most popular domain extensions. So, you know, dot crypto, dot dot wallet, dot NFT, Um, These are four of the top five blockchain naming services. They're all offered by Unstoppable Domains, and uh, we're seeing just super rapid growth. We registered more domain names in the past four months than have been registered by any other system over the past four years. Our uh, integration count year-over-year year is up 600%. Uh, we're projecting similar numbers going into next year. So we're seeing an explosion in these utility NFTs, and that's kind of our category here with uh, blockchain uh, NFT domains as uh, identifiers on the internet. And I think that whole space is just set to continue growing uh, strongly into the next year and over the next three to five years.
0: Got it. Now, um, I... Similarly, as I was looking at some of the other uh, folks trying to solve this as well, I went around and I asked and uh, uh, I don't know how qualified the people I asked were. I basically asked everyone that I could uh, in the short period of time that I had what they thought about various approaches. Um, and one of the things that came up with uh, unstoppable domains that I would put in the positive category was there was integrations and support by some of the exchanges. And so maybe talk a little bit about uh, those integrations. Like, how, how do those come about? Is that like a business development deal that unstoppable domains does with the exchange? Can the exchange just do it themselves? Is there an API? Just walk me through both the technical and kind of like the the business components of those. Yeah,
2: we have an entire enterprise team that works with exchanges and other large applications to integrate on ensemble domains. Now, it's true, they can go and look at the docs. Uh, All the smart contracts are on-chain, so anyone who wants to integrate can go and do it 100% on their own. Uh, But you know when you interact with large businesses uh, and when you're trying to actually onboard the really large Web2 companies into the space, they want to talk to somebody and go through their particular situation. So, yeah, we have an entire enterprise team that works directly with um, you know, large wallets and uh, Web two companies in the space, uh, educating them about uh, NFT domains and uh, blockchain technology, how this can fit into their app. What are the user flows and their main concerns are what you would expect, right? They're worried about user security. You know, they don't want to offer a new product to a bunch of customers and then the customers all lose their keys to that product, or you know, they send it to the wrong address or something like that. Um, so there's a lot of user education around that too. But yeah, we have an entire enterprise team that works directly with exchanges. Uh, very proud of the guys on our business development team that do a great job, and uh, we are going to continue to double down on that next year. We think it's important. I mean, if you get the biggest, uh, most people have about five crypto exchanges and wallets that they use. Uh, so if you can be in the top, you know, twenty exchanges and wallets globally, or, or you know, even regionally, then you're likely going to be covered in you know, eighty percent of the applications that anyone is going to be using uh, right now. And so that's how we kind of view the market.
0: Got it. Now, the most popular question that I got was uh, around what I'll call backwards compatibility, right? So with the DNS uh, type stuff. Uh, And most people just didn't know. How do you guys look at that? Is there compatibility today? Will there be compatibility in the future? Um, How do you think about that?
2: Uh, yeah. So uh, there are a couple things there to unpack. Oh, so right. we are already backwards compatible. So we haven't launched any registry services that conflict with any other existing TLDs and the global namespace. So that's something that we do. There's 1500 uh, TLDs in the traditional uh, DNS system. And so we made sure that we had zero conflicts with any of the uh, TLDs that we launched on a going forward basis. I think something that a lot of people missed is back in 2016, uh, the naming uh, system was essentially deregulated here in the US uh, through an act of Congress. Um, ICANN has no authority over blockchain uh, domains. Uh, you know some groups you know may try to say that they have partnerships with ICANN or something like that, but you know, that's inaccurate. And uh, you know the reason why the global namespace was so contentious and why the. US decided that they would step out of that market uh, is because it wasn't international. And what was happening was, Uh, DNS and ICANN was seen as a U.S. entity, and a lot of other countries, namely China, said, you know, we're not very happy with the system. We're going to go and build our own uh, DNS system. And I actually think that blockchain-based naming services offer a free market alternative to these government systems. Like, I don't want to use China DNS, right? And I understand how some other countries may be a little bit wary about using uh, the traditional ICANN DNS because they see it as you know, front for uh, U.S. interest and blockchain naming services, this free open market alternative, I think is stepping into this void here. And I'm actually very excited about um, how these systems are going to evolve in the future. I think that's a solution to a problem.
0: Got it. And then in terms of, um, there's a couple of people in, in the chat that are asking around like on chain versus not on chain. Can you describe what ensemble domains is and then how you think about the pluses or minuses of both of those approaches?
2: Uh, yeah. So users want choices. I, I would, that's how I would, you know, couch that. So we make it easy for users to mint their domains to their wallet. Uh, they can wait to claim their domains when they're ready, or they can even store their domains in a custodial exchange like uh, Gemini. So we actually think about it a suite of options for users on how they want to store domains. And, uh, you know, I think people should claim the domain that they intend to use on a daily basis to their self-custody wallet. I mean, that's what you should do, uh, but it's kind of like Coinbase, right? Like Coinbase, is on board awarded 70 million people. You go on there, you buy your Bitcoin. Uh, and then when you withdraw that Bitcoin to your personal wallet, that's when you uh, take full ownership of that. And that's how we view unsolved domains. We're an onboarding point for people to get into Web3 and the decentralized web. We make it super easy for you to come to our site, uh, pick out a domain name that you'd want to have, uh, and then you can claim that to your wallet You know when you're ready. And it, I think that's great for users. And I think it also points out another thing, which is people are still very scared when interacting with a uh, with blockchain and crypto in general. And that's something we as an industry need to do better to make people feel comfortable claiming these assets to their self-custody wallet.
0: Got it. Joe and John, what uh, what questions do you guys have? Yeah, my question would just be around like uh, the business in general, Matthew, I guess when it comes to uh, threats, like what keeps you up at night? What are you worried about? Or what do you see as like one of the biggest threats to your business?
2: Um, so yeah, we actually list these out. So the biggest one is, is the crypto market, right? Uh having a pullback. I mean, we, our business is very dependent on crypto continuing to be successful over the next 10 years. And so as a business owner, you know, we employ a hundred people. I'm always worried, like, what if, what if Bitcoin has an 80% pullback? And I've lived through a couple of those cycles right now. So that's something you have to plan for as a business owner. You got to make sure you have enough to make it through uh, whether these bear markets. And so that's market risk, right? That external market risk. And when I'm looking at uh, over the next three to five years, I'm on the product engineering side. So I'm always concerned about engineering and product execution Uh, I stay up at night because of gas fees personally. So outside of market risk, it's really around the things that I'm thinking about all the time are how can we make sure that we can get to a system that can service 3 billion users at scale where they're interacting with their blockchain domain a couple dozen times per day, because then we're talking about uh, tens of billions of potential interactions you know, which of those interactions should be on-chain or off-chain? So that's my my engineering answer um, to that. So business answer is you've got to be worried about the crypto market. It's extremely volatile. That's just part of being in the space. you got to plan for it. And then um, the tech side, it's really about are we going to figure out how to scale blockchains to uh, reach global demand? And I think the forecast is very good. It feels like Internet modems in the 1990s. You get 14 kilobits, then 28, then 56. Then now we got megabit and gigabit downloads. Uh, we're on that same trajectory with um with a lot of these smart contract blockchain platforms. Uh, and it's
0: just a matter of execute. Matthew, nice to, uh, nice to see you again. <laughs> nice to meet can, you. Can you talk about, so one of the biggest problems is those gas fees. Can you talk about, is there a solution that is known today about it? Or are we kind of just waiting for that solution to come in f- to fruition?
2: So we just pushed a solution at Unstoppable Domains that we think is going to be good for us for the next two years. We are on a uh, two-year technology cycle. So we basically update our technology about every 24 months. So as of today, the cost of minting and configuring a domain um, it will, is about three to five cents. And at Unstoppable, we're actually covering that fee. Um, so it's free to users. But that's currently where we're at right now on our most recent update. And that actually just went live last month on Polygon. Um, so that's been very successful. And But as adoption picks up, right? If we get another uh, 20X number of users on that space, I'm, I have a, I'm very convinced that we're going to have Uh, capacity problems again on blockchains and there's going to be another set of updates that happen two years from now. So, uh, And I do feel confident that there is technology to solve those problems on the horizon. Uh, If you're interested in what that technology is, I would suggest taking a look at um, zero knowledge proofs and uh, roll-ups. I think that's probably the place where most of these problems will get solved at least another 100x better.
0: So, Ma- Matthew, uh, obviously, uh, I've worked with you guys in the past uh, about this whole idea, and I think all of the teams uh, that are working on this problem agree on, one, the problem that we need to fix this in order to scale. Uh, two, they also agree that there's got to be this like idea of interoperability, accept tons of different assets, uh, and be able to do that in a pretty uh, um, kind of easy way. Uh, one of the things that I don't think that I quite understand is this idea between owning and renting and the economics that are tied to uh, this, even if the technical architecture is the exact same, can you explain what the differences there are for folks?
2: Yeah, so at Unstoppable, we chose to make it so that you own your domain. So it's a one-time fee that you pay for your domain name, it goes into your wallet, you own it forever, you don't ever have to worry about renewals or anything like that. We think uh, that it is a big risk for domains, in particular, if you're gonna use them as an identity uh, for you to have to have a renewal right? Because you can imagine a situation where uh, what if the renewal fees are raised on you in the future? Um, what if you forget to renew and you lose your domain? Uh, what if there's some sort of problem at the protocol level uh, with the renewal contract? that Because it adds a significant amount of complexity to the code to build that in. Um, these are all attack vectors. So uh, I think that it's good to just remove renewals, period. Um, ownership is a Core to Web3, it's kind of like the ethos behind it. I think SaaS products are a Web2 construction, right? Like if you want to pay an annual fee for something, then you know go back to 2010 is basically how I feel about it. Uh, and I think that it's weird to make domains any different than all the other NFTs. Every other NFT you buy, uh, has a one-time owner forever fee. Uh, and I think that's how, we want it. that's how we want to do it. I mean, finally, I think renewal fees suck just emotionally. Uh, like I, one of the reasons why we did it, I've forgotten to renew domains before on the traditional internet. They always get sniped by somebody else. And then you get gouged in order to try to buy it back from that person. And it's just a, I think it's a poor user experience overall.
0: What is, um, what, what's your thought process in terms of uh, traction so far of uh, adoption? of namespaces versus like the long string of letters and numbers. how, how do you evaluate that uh, as a business in terms of like oh, okay, the industry is moving towards this or you know we're trying but but it's a, a slow slog.
2: So on the growth side, I would say it's looking very positive because we are right. we are seeing three to five hundred percent year over year growth basically and it's actually close to four to 500% year over year growth and we're actually seeing domain name registrations um, actually over a thousand X year over year we expect that to improve as well if you think about it in terms of Bitcoin like Bitcoin's average appreciation is probably or adoption is 60 to hundred percent per year. And so, you know, blockchain domain right now is growing at closer to four to 500% year over year. So you project that over a five, 10 year period, that means we're going to get everyone adopted eventually. Uh, We are still very, very early though. This is something I tell my team. There's about 250,000 people, using NFT domains right now, and there's 250 million people who have cryptocurrency in some sort of wallet. So we have a thousand X to go just in order to catch up with the current users. And that 250 million users that use crypto today is gonna keep growing at um, 60 to 100% year over year. So uh, I think we need to step on the gas even harder to make the growth rate go faster. Uh, it is positive right now because we are growing faster than the overall adoption of crypto. Uh, but I think we can. I think we can go even faster than that. So we'll see, we'll put the rocket boosters on.
0: I'm fascinated by this, Matthew, in terms of uh, getting this solved. Um, I, I guess one other last thing, uh, and, and I should have asked uh, earlier, is unstoppable domains. Let's say that you get 10 million domains out there in people's hands, and they go ahead and they attach it to Easy. Their, uh, all right, easy, easy, <laughs> done, right? Let's say also, whether you like it or not, that there's other teams that are working on this. They get another 10 million out there. Are people able to have interoperability between the different domain issuers, sellers, uh, registrars, however you want to think about that? Like, can, if I have an unstoppable domain and let's say that John has an ENS, can I send stuff to him and he can send stuff back to me because there's the on-chain component or is there challenges with doing that?
2: they would both work in that case and i think you bring up a i think you bring up a good point here because it really is uh we're all going to make it i mean ultimately this is going to be a battle of crypto versus traditional industry uh and i think it's important that we keep that in mind like our goal is to bring crypto to the mass market to like 3 billion people. Uh, and so you, I think that you, you need responsible actors in the space will try to build uh, and make it easier for these things to interop and buy their design because they're on blockchain systems. Yeah, no problem. So if you have a .crypto uh, and someone else has a .eth, uh, both of those are going to work. It's really going to be up to users to choose which system is working best for them, like whatever's the, the cheapest for them to use or whatever their other uh, value criteria are for picking a domain name system. And I like the competition, to be, uh, to be honest. So we are, uh, we are like a hyper competitive, you know, crypto, uh, hardcore, uh, free market uh, organization. And I think the competition is good for users. Like we've already seen huge improvements in uh, domain name services over the past couple of years uh, in the market, just because all these teams are working really hard to bring products to people. Uh, and I expect to have that happen, uh, you know, over the next three to five years as well.
0: I, I uh, Officially, I just decided uh, that I'm on team solve the problem after that answer like that's what i like that's that's what i'm on team like please god solve this problem before you came on we were talking like when uh when john for the very first time uh a a while ago uh started to interact with uh bitcoin and wallet addresses, etc it was one of the first things he said he was like did what like this is in some cases maybe worse than you know account numbers and routing numbers at the bank and so uh just obviously needs to get solved so it's it's uh, It's
2: it's person. It's people's first emotional experience with cryptocurrency, right? So, yeah. like, you buy some crypto, you, and then the first thing you do is you want to send it to someone, and I mean, because you want to use it, right? Uh, and then the first thing you do is oh crap, am I about to send this to the wrong place? And like, you feel awful. Like you're not sure, you double, you triple check the address. Uh, and even when you send it, you like message them afterwards, like, did you get it? They're looking on the blockchain. The thing that I see on the blockchain all the time, which I think is funny, is people are sending two payments, right? Because they send their first payment for $10 and then they see another payment for a thousand once they know they went to the right place. And what's crazy is, It's not just you and I that do it. It's like Vitalik and Satoshi. Like If you go back and look and see how they sent crypto, it's the same thing. So like everybody's scared uh, and domains solve this problem. Because when you're sending to a domain, you no longer worry about that address. It can also provide additional information about that person. So you could connect like a Twitter account to it so they could see your Twitter handle when they're sending payments. Um, I don't know all the uh, profile pictures is another one that people are attaching. So you can see like the picture of the person. So you can have some more contextual information around what you're sending, uh, which I think will make it much more comfortable. Like when I'm sending something on Venmo, um, y- you know, it, it's like I have trusted accounts. I can click through, I can see that user's profile. Like if I'm sending to Pomp.Crypto, I could potentially even click through and see the Pomp.Crypto website and like make sure that, hey, that is that's the right guy I'm sending it to. So, yeah, overall, I mean, huge improvement in UX and it's really just getting started. I mean, this whole bring your own data uh, to your applications uh, it, through having your own digital identity and where that's going to go um, online for data privacy, just making the Internet a safer place, I think is a big deal.
0: I appreciate it. Where where can we send people to find you and uh, Unstoppable Domains on the internet?
2: Yeah, definitely. Go to Uh We're also up on Twitter at Unstoppable Web. Uh, you can find me at Matthew E. Gould. I'm also on there. I'm the penguin, if you're looking for me uh, on Twitter. And uh, we also have, we have a podcast ourselves, a YouTube channel. We've got wonderful support and help team uh, and Discord. If you're a developer, join in there to see how to integrate. Um, the more people we can get to this faster, the better.
0: Awesome, man. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to jump on here. Hopefully people are learning from this and uh, we'll definitely have to do it again in the future. All
2: right. Thank you guys. Thanks, Thanks. buddy.